Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Turn up your volume. Your volume. Because you're about to listen to the Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into the mayor back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> You're in the ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast for the very first time for me. I am doing the show uh, from uh, my balcony at the hotel that I'm staying at in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, the Ocean Sky Hotel. I'm on the fourth floor right now, which is a little bit weird for me and a little bit odd because I am scared of heights. I'm not going to lie to you. But seeing as I'm on one week vacation, but there is some work to be done. I figured, what's the best way to combine both? Well, if I'm going to record the show, why don't I take advantage of the weather, the sights, the scenery, the atmosphere, everything? And that's why I decided to do the show outdoors. Once again, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, on Facebook, and on Twitter, and the show goes a sick podcast, weeknights at 10 p.m., today's show is pre-recorded. And done earlier than that, okay? The Sick Podcast brought to you in part by La Bitta TB, brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bitta TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bitta TB, embrace your true nature. Also brought to you in part by Playground. Fun and fortune collide with Playground's new Lucky Treasure promotion. Be one of 18 lucky winners every Sunday and take home your share of the $20,000 in cash and free play prizes, including a $5,000 weekly top prize located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal Playground, and also brought to you in part by 
Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. Uh, he's usually a collaborator on Mondays, but last night I was off. I figured I'm not going to do the show if the Montreal Canadiens are playing a game and I'm not going to watch it live. I've had a chance to watch it since then, but last night Shane Gaumont took over with Grant McCagg and I thanked them for doing so. And so I saved Eric Engels of Sportsnet at sportsnet.ca for myself for today. Eric, how are you? I'm good, man. Day off for the Canadians, but not for me. I'm happy to be here with you. I'm a little surprised you're in Florida right now. Most people in Montreal wait until the weather turns to get out there. It's been gorgeous here for the last few weeks. September, yeah. I think, might be the nicest month in Montreal traditionally anyways, but it's living up to that. I I understand all of that, but Lionel Messi's not playing a soccer game in Montreal, or at least not right now, maybe in a play-in, but he is playing in the U.S. Open Cup final tomorrow night versus Houston, or at least his team is. Messi uh, did not practice earlier this morning. I had a chance to see him making his way to the training facility, but he did not practice, so... Uh, an entire state and an entire fan base is crossing their fingers that he'll be able to play tomorrow uh, at least a couple of minutes anyway. And so I'm going to the game tomorrow night. I'm going to the league game on Saturday night versus New York City FC. So I decided to make a one-week vacation out of it, Eric. But where, where are you going out with Messi after? I want to know. You know, I haven't had the chance to meet him yet. And I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I'd really love the opportunity, as would probably pretty much anyone else in the world. And I think it's going to be very difficult. We'll try and pull it off. Uh, I think I've been very fortunate to be hanging out with you. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah, I doubt that. But I can tell you this. I've been driving around everywhere in the hopes of meeting him. And there was a a clip on social media of him going to a Publix grocery store, probably give or take a couple of months ago. And so I think I've um, I think I've made it to every single Publix within a 20-kilometer radius of the training facility, uh, but we haven't been able to pull it off yet. But I did see him from about, I, I don't know, a good 20 feet away this morning as he was driving his truck into the uh, parking lot of the training facility. But, well, Eric, this is the first time stay, for me. If you, stay that, uh, if you stay that distance away from him, you'll be respecting the court's restraining order. That they uh, have yeah. You, so. yeah, you know, you're right about that. I want to show you something, Eric. So I don't know if you can see that, but... Uh, the pool. Hold on a second. I see, a pool. I see palm trees in a pool. Uh, you see palm trees in a pool, and you'll see the ocean, obviously, right there. That I definitely so, see. Um, this is a place that um, I recommend to everyone watching from Montreal, especially uh, because the Ocean Sky Hotel and Resort in Fort Lauderdale at 4060 Galt Ocean Drive, right on the A1A, basically on the beach here, uh, is part of the Titan Group. And uh, the um, Titan Hospitality and Real Estate Group, of course, who owns several hotels throughout the province of Quebec, Chateau Versailles, Hotel Travel Lodge, um, Hotel 10, the La Saguen in Chicoutimi, the Mount Stephen Club, of course, Le Nouveau Hotel, the Marriott Chateau Champlain, uh, Mont Gabriel in St. Adele, the Sens Hotel, also Montreal. Anyway, they own several of them. And uh, they're Montrealers, Jack Sofer and Mike Yuval of the Titan Group. And they own the Ocean Sky Hotel and Resort. So if you're going to support someone, why not support Montrealers? Uh, and that's what I'm doing here. So uh, it's a beautiful spot, Eric. You have to come here at least once. Okay, 
let's talk about the Montreal Canadiens who played last night versus the New Jersey Devils, of course, in preseason action. It was a 4-2 loss with Jack Hughes stealing the show, as in the preseason games, you usually expect the best players to be the best players. I mean, you expect them to be the best players all the time. But we're not going to talk about Jack Hughes for now. We're going to talk about some Montreal Canadiens. And what did you think of Alex Newhook? I um, This morning, one of the first messages I got was from my buddy Brian Pimentel, who sent me a text message, and he said, Tony Newhook provokes the play. I love him. So Brian loves Alex Newhook. Does Eric Engels love Alex Newhook? You know, I would have probably gotten an even bigger appreciation if I was at the game. Yesterday is Yom Kippur. It's one of the high Jewish holidays. I fasted all day. I was with my family to break that fast. Um, in Catholicism, you guys have a thing where you're, you feel you feel guilty 365 days a year. As Jews, we reduce it to one day a year where we ask for forgiveness for all our sins and then move on to a fresh new year. So that was what yesterday was about for me. And then got home, watched the game, and... Um, the reason I say I think I would have appreciated it even more live and in person is because how much you can track what's going on away from the puck. Because while people will focus on what Newhook is good at with the puck and his speed through the neutral zone and the way he sets his line mates up, what stood out to me was the way he backtracked on a couple of pucks and got his stick on the puck and forced players into the wall and, and was able to turn it over and go the other way. Um, what it shows me is that we're talking about a young player who should be poised to kind of emerge and break out kind of like we saw with Kirby doc last year, that he's gained a certain level of experience where now in these next 82 to hundred games, you expect them to take it to the next level. What it shows me is that he has details in this game that, that, that has been um, developed. Even if the scoring hadn't developed to the point that people expected in Colorado while he was with the avalanche, and it's being exhibited now in Montreal, especially last night. And from what I could say, I, I would have liked to have seen more where you're live at the game and I could watch him away from the puck and just see some of those little details emerge. But I really liked what I saw. All right. Um, how about the combo of him and Josh Anderson? Because I really like what I saw from Josh Anderson. And I know that in one particular play where, um, where Jack Hughes played setup man, I mean, he went through Josh Anderson like he wasn't even there. So that was a hiccup for Anderson, but he's not the first who's going to be danced by Jack Hughes, and he won't be the last. But I really like Josh Anderson uh, from an offensive standpoint. And I have to tell you, out of all the veterans thus far in camp, he's the one that I think is bringing it the most. I mean, he looks hungry. And now the big question is going to be, or can he maintain that hunger over 82 games, which will be really tough. But Anderson looked good. And what do you think of the duel with him and Newhook? Well, let's start with Anderson in that, you know, I just kind of released this in my notebook at sportsnet.ca. Early in camp, maybe the first, second day, I was talking with Justin Barron about the summer skates that he has with McKinnon and Crosby and Marshawn, among others, who are some of the best players in the game, taking reps against those guys on a daily basis, how much it improves, what kind of player he is. In Halifax, correct? In Halifax, yeah. But Barron also left Halifax pretty early and came here to Montreal and was part of, you know, one of 40 players who were in Montreal early and a, a lot of the regulars skating informally in Brossard with Paul Byron and scrimmaging and this and that. And I asked him, like, who stood out to you in those informal skates in, in Brossard? And uh, the first person he said was Josh Anderson. And uh, he said, I don't know if it's because he's so 
you know, fast and good and the way you strong go to the net, or it's that, you know, I, I almost forget it because of the way his season ended last year and the injuries he suffered. And that kind of really resonated with me watching Anderson yesterday because he was every bit the player that you want to see on a regular basis for the Canadians. He hasn't been that throughout his time in Montreal. Those numbers are quite consistent. The first year he had, uh, I don't know, so 15 goals in 50 games or whatever it was. And uh, the last two years in and around 20 goals and 32 points in 69 games, both years with a couple of injuries. And you just would like to see this happen night to night. But what I can say is that what we've seen since the beginning of camp and what we know that it was happening even before camp with what Justin Marin said is he has been the best player on the ice. He's he's really been the best player on the ice. He's working hard. He's skating great. Uh, he's using his size for a guy who suffered an injury the way he did. And for those who don't remember, Mikhail Sergachev hauled him down on his way to an empty net and he crashed, yeah. you know, ankle first into the post and, you know, we saw him at games afterwards. He couldn't put any pressure on his leg whatsoever. He was riding around on a scooter in a walking boot uh, with his leg up. Uh, it was wasn't a good sight. Uh, Vesp- a Vespas, Vespas, Vespas are nicer. Yeah, Vespas are nicer. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> we've seen you riding around on yours. You look pretty good. You make it look pretty good. Um, no, listen, he. Everyone knows what the potential is of this player. Uh, can he? And, and I think it's really easy to say, okay, at 29, we already know what he is. But I think that's reality. It is reality. But there's another side of reality, and, and that is that it does really take time. The thing that comes last for most players is a level of consistency. And I think he has the ability to be more consistent than he's shown in Montreal And what I like about his camp is not that he's been the best player so far or he was the best player on the ice, not named Jack Hughes last night. It's that consistently, day over day, he's been the best player on the ice. And Can he be a bit, Eric, can he be a bit more? Yes. This is not to play devil's advocate. Yes. But if he isn't someone else by now, like this is pretty much, once again, what it's going to be. Can he be a little bit more consistent? Yes. But if consistency has played them over the course of his career, I, I, I think he could, will continue to do so. Or maybe the combination with Newhook, two guys who are extremely fast together, and we'll see who ends up on the other side, um, propels him to a level that is more consistent and gets him closer to what he was before he came to Montreal. I'm not talking about that last season in Columbus where he played through a shoulder injury and wasn't able to produce anything, but the season before that where he scored 27 goals because there's no question with this player's skill set that he can do that. He had 21 last year in 69, which is not a laughable number considering how up and down the Canadians were and how spread he was throughout the lineup due to the injury situation. But it's a a goal in every 3.1 games, which is it's, it's not bad. But he can be better than that, and he's shown it before. And I think he's poised to show it again if he finds the same rhythm he's playing at right now to start this season. So I'll tell you this. I'll tell you what I like about Newhook. And as much as I like stories of players who start and finish their entire careers with the same organization, which happens a lot less, and I love those stories, but Newhook right now is an injection And even though he's not the youngest player on the team, and of course there are players younger than him, 
He's an injection of some youthful enthusiasm and a player who wants to be here and a player who feels like he hasn't played his best hockey yet and he's got something to prove. And that, I think, will be contagious on Anderson. You know, like, like for example, Yol Armia has been here several years. And, like, I get the feeling that Yol Armia is... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The intrigue of playing in Montreal, it's, 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 it's over. Been there, done that. But Newhook, I feel, is just hungry for this opportunity. And I think Newhook's going to have a great influence on Josh Anderson. Yeah, but, you know, looking at the – and that's a very good point, but also looking at, like, the game last night, a big part of the reason why Newhook looked good was because Josh Anderson was dominant. I mean, he, he yes. really was dominant. And he, he, he looked like when he was a Blue Jacket and he scored the 27 goals. And when you look at the chances that Josh Anderson had last night, they were mostly self-manufactured. So to have a player that size and that ability next to him, because I I think we both agree that Newark is not the biggest player playing up the middle on the Canadians, that's going to help. The fact that he's been coupled with Anderson since the start of this camp also helps Newhook because he is adjusting to a new environment with a new system and new concepts, as Martin St. Louis alluded to when he spoke with reporters last night. And it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. I think they're going to do everything they can to make him successful right off the start, just like they did with Doc last year. Um, and, and if the result ends up being the same, then, well, Kent Hughes will have done another good deed for the Montreal Canadiens. One of the things I talked about yesterday um, on television, that is, was the duo of Gouli and Rhinebacker. And that I thought it was intriguing because one being a left-handed defenseman, the other one being a right-handed defenseman. Gouli, who played his rookie season last year, Rhinebacker, who's the f- first-round pick, fifth overall in this last amateur draft, they have the makeup to be a defense duo together on the Canadians for about a decade here. And so it would almost seem like it was a kind of look into the future type of thing. Did you view it the same way? Yeah. As a look into the future, you could definitely see something like that happening. Um, As for right now, these are critical first steps that Rhinebacker's taking at this level. And why not put him with a guy who's as reliable as Caden Gouley? Although obviously you know, if we'll talk about some rust from some of the other players who were injured towards the end of last season and, and were playing their first game in a very long time yesterday at the Bell Center, you know, Caden Gooley had some rust on him also. And and that, I'm not trying to put down Caden Gooley. I think we all know what kind of player he's going to be. But I'll tell you, there was another player playing in last night's game that I could see as an ideal partner for Caden Gooley, and that's that's uh, Logan Mayu. And... Uh, 
you know, nothing to do, nothing to take away from from Reinbacker or anything like that, who I think is going to be a really good player. But I just like the defensive ability of Gouli paired with the offensive flair that that Mayu shows. And I, I want to say one thing about all these kids, whether it's Reinbacker or Mayu or whatever it is, because Marty St. Louis had a very good comment yesterday about, you know, playing at the junior level, coming into this situation it's it's checkers versus chess and sometimes you need to play checkers at this level but chess is much more important what fans need to be able to do though is great analogy by the way like it it is very appropriate very appropriate what, what what fans need to be able to realize is that in order to figure out a way to play three dimensional to think three dimensionally at this level you need to get some reps at this level before you're there. Like people are very quick to be all over Logan Mayu when he makes a mistake because he's pressing to do something that, you know, kind of obliterates the risk reward quotient. Let him get some repetition at this level to understand what it is, to be able to hone in on how to make better decisions. The expectation is he'll probably be in Laval to start. Uh, yeah, but he's showing that he is. A this player. is the time to make the mistakes, by the way. Exactly. This is it. And, and you exactly. know, uh, a lot of I'll kind of spin this another way is that um, I'll take it to an amateur level for a second. OK, um, when a player makes a mistake, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people will will be there to say, hey, you, you made a mistake. And like my you will know when he's making mistakes in this preseason. I mean, they all do, right? They all know when they make a mistake. This is how they learn. This is how they learn because the next time they're in a certain situation and a certain scenario, they're going to say, you know what? That pass I made up the middle burned me last time. It's not the pass to do. Let me play a higher percentage play. So this is the time of the year to make mistakes, and these are great learning moments. Yeah, and his mistake last night is – he takes a great rush because he sees an opening and he creates a chance for himself. But if yep. you're thinking in three dimension and thinking, thinking chess and thinking situationally, the play is to get the puck deep in the zone and ensure that you're back on time because you're trying to kill a penalty. And there are players like Jack Hughes on the ice who can do a lot of damage if you turn over the puck and get correct. If you turn the puck over, you're dead the other way. And that's what Marty said. You know, when Marty says we have, we know that there's times where you have to play checkers. Maybe you're chasing the game and you see an opening and you've got a chance at a rush as a defenseman. And maybe you're not leaving somebody in support behind you uh, on your team to make that rush. But, it, you know, it's worth doing. There's a, there's a risk worth taking because you're trailing and it's late in the game. Situationally, he's on the penalty kill. And even if he's trying to show the Canadians he has the ability to do these things, they'd rather see him make a decision that, you know, puts the team first. And that's, like you said, Tony, an instrument in learning. You have to make those mistakes in order to learn. And I think fans in general, I think they want to have their opinions confirmed by what they see, right? Like they know that Mayu has issues with the risk-reward quotient and decision-making, and the minute they see it exhibited in a game, it's, see, I told you. But give them a chance to find their way. And it'll be the same thing with Reinbacher, who but, has... But Eric, if I can, just yeah. on my you, that's where the whole thinking of the game is going to come into play, right? Yeah. We know that Marty St. Louis wants to stress 
you know, thinking the game, knowing the game, understanding the game, understanding certain situations, when to do things, when not to. What Mayu did yesterday was something that he does often at the junior level, being bigger, stronger than everyone else. He can just get by on stuff like that. But when you play in a league where it's the best league in the world, there's a lot of big guys, there's a lot of strong guys, there's a lot of very intelligent players, this is where you have to get away from stuff that you thought was automatic before getting to the big league and adjusting. And these are things that you can practice and you can develop. And it's called exercising the brain, basically. Yeah. The brain is a muscle. And the more you exercise it, the more you develop it. There's a balance, too, though, because he has the confidence to be able to try the things that he tries. And he has the ability to do it, too. And you don't want to take that away from a player. Uh, you do want to use the moments where they make mistakes as lessons for them but also appreciate what they bring to the equation. Because I could tell you right now, looking up and down the right side of the Canadians' defense, I don't see another player who could do some of the things that this kid can. As far as Reinbacker's concerned, he's ahead of the game in terms of his decision-making and the way he thinks the game. The rest will come. Figuring out how to play physically against men and professionals at this level, he was doing it in Switzerland, it's a different ball game over here, even in the AHL and the NHL. Um, but I think, I think Eric, I love, I love your point, by the way. Yeah. I think it will be easier to teach Mayu how to make better decisions and play better defensively than it will be for Ryan Backer to adjust to North American ice, to become a better offensive player and to become a stronger, more physical player. You understand what I'm saying? Two very different defensemen, both with strengths and weaknesses, but I think there's less check, uh, boxes to check for Mayu to end up being more complete. I could be wrong. I, I agree. I think I would change the word easier to it would take a little less time Perfect. to, to, to get Mayu to where you want him to be. Because there's, there's be. less because there's less uh he already has more boxes checked than Mayu, so it'll take less time than to Ryan check Becker. the remaining yeah. boxes. Correct. And and Ryan by Becker. the way, he will always have certain fallacies in his game, sacrificing defense for offense. And that's okay. I, I, I think John Klingberg was a pretty good player for Dallas for a very long time and will probably show very well in Toronto after a couple down years. Uh, and he has had deficiencies defensively throughout his entire career that we can overlook considering what he's able to produce. I'm not saying that Logan Mayu is, is Klingberg, but there are players that you can compare in terms of the style and what they're able to do. And so, and, and Reinbacker, I mean, there's so much to like. And, and as he fills out and becomes more of a body and gets more experience, which I think will be very well served this year, no matter where he ends up playing, um, he's, he's going to be a player. Like, there's no question. His skating is elite, and the way he processes the game is really strong, and the rest of it will come with time. So this is going to be a crazy statement in a way. But in a way, it's not. And you'll understand where I'm coming from. Because I'm not telling you that this player is going to be a better player than the next player I'm going to mention. But I'm going to tell you that right now, his offensive instincts, I prefer them. And I prefer the way Joshua Roy sees the game, plays the game, thinks the game, more so than Slavkovsky right now. 
I mean, it's not that crazy because when you think about how far Slavkovsky has to come to become the player the Canadians want him to be, and believe me, they knew he would be a project when they drafted him first overall because players that are that big take time to f- grow into their body and understand how to use it properly. But purely on hockey sense, Joshua Huaz is elite. It, it is elite. It was exhibited throughout the last two seasons in the queue where he absolutely dominated, um, but especially so with Team Canada where he showed that he has a much more complete game than a lot of people might have assumed. And if you want to know how they had, they, had, they had him playing the penalty kill, which was a pretty big feat for a guy that some um, yeah. cynics thought was, yeah, just another offensive player in the queue. Yeah. But probably doesn't know how to play any kind of defensive you hockey. Could say they, yeah. You could say they had him playing the penalty kill, or you could recognize that he was their best penalty killer. Like he was absolutely the best player in that role at that tournament. And I think if you want a real sense for how strong his intelligence, his intelligence is on the ice, it overcomes a weakness in his game, which is his skating, you know, and his skating is not poor, but it's not on the level that it needs to be at for him to immediately be an NHL player. And that is something that he can work on. He's 20 years old, but his brain gets him to where he wants to go and it gets him to not only where he, he wants to go, but where you're supposed to be on the ice. And, man, he, he's a playmaker, so, and he's a goal scorer, and he's going to be a really good player if he puts the work. There is nothing that can stop Joshua Waugh from becoming a very good player in the NHL eventually, but Joshua Waugh. He's the one who has to put in the work. I think he's put in a lot over the last two years. If he can improve his skating and put the work in there, he can be a real difference maker on any team, not just this Canadians team. So I was, as you were talking about Joshua Roy and the fact that he'd have to work on his skating, because everyone knows he's an average skater with elite hockey sense and great vision. I started to think of Nick Suzuki because, and Suzuki's not a bad skater by any means, but if I would ask you for Suzuki's top three attributes, I bet you skating isn't one of them. No, but if you would ask me where I think Suzuki skating has come from when I first saw him at Canadians camp, it's up several levels. His acceleration is much stronger. Uh, he has bursts of speed. He utilizes his speed extremely intelligently in terms of when to draw people in and when to change gears. He's picked up another gear and he's worked at it. And I think Joshua Waugh can do that as well. I think he can take his skating from average to above average. He doesn't have to be the best skater because what he's got up here gets him around yeah. where he needs to be at the right So, side. So I thought out of all the young players yesterday at the forward position, and I, I thought it was going to be a huge game for Yelonen because there's a spot there if he wants to go out and take it. I haven't seen him grab it by the horns yet. I thought of the young players – Roy is the one that probably passed the audition with the highest grade out of the non-NHLers at the forward position. Would you agree or disagree? I would agree. Um, I think Owen Beck had, had a strong performance, maybe a little less so with the puck on his stick, but you know, won nearly 60% of 17 face-offs that he took, and just his details are so good. Owen Beck's hey, limited hey. with the puck on his stick. Maybe right now, but it's going to yeah. come. He's got oh, those abilities, sure. and uh, we saw it at the beginning of, of last year and then traded and had to make a transition. He was great as a late ad with 
Team Canada, and honestly, he could be their captain this year if he ends up back in junior. Uh, I think still think he's going to push as hard as he can, though uh, he's obviously pushing against some pretty strong wind to make the Canadians. Yelonen, there's a lot to like about this player. He's got really good hands. He has a one-timer shot that could make him a threat on the power play. He could be a penalty-killing player. He has a habit that I want to see him completely eliminate from his game, and it's it's turning the puck over inside the offensive blue line instead of making a simple play to get it deep and chase it further and play better with his line mates in a cycle game to be able to expose, uh, to be able to take advantage of some of the skills that he really has. He can shoot the puck and he can handle it. Uh, But none of that matters if you give it up the minute you come over the line because you're trying to make a play through the middle or you're trying to skate there. Like he's been a pro for a few years now. And he's going to have to make that adjustment if he's going to be a pro in this league. And and right now, uh, he's a little behind in the competition because of stuff like that. It's about details. The details that I said are in Owen Beck's game, where he yeah. will chip a puck, pass a defender, and get to it if he knows he's on a one-on-one or a one-on-two situation, is the stuff that by now should be embedded in Yelonen's game and, and should be very clear to him that he can't be making those types of decisions when he's in those situations if he wants to make Yeah. So it wasn't an audition for Yuri Slavkovsky because obviously he was with the team all of last year, never once sent to the uh, uh, sent down to the American Hockey League. We know he wasn't sent to the World Juniors. They wanted to keep him with the big team the entire time, which gives us the feeling that nothing's going to change this year. It's going to be the same thing. Having said that, there was an opportunity for him to play on the first line, which is something that, you know, uh, I don't think it's happened very often. I don't even know if it happened last year at all where he was on the number one line, even for a, a shift or two. But So he was there last night, and this is going to be a touchy conversation with you because there's always going to be one or two people in the chat who are going to say, leave him alone. He's uh, 19 years old or whatever it is. But and it, it's, you know, it goes without saying that we're going to have a lot of patience with him because we recognize that it's a very, very tough league to dominate at when you're 18, 19 years old. And we also recognize, like what you just said a couple of minutes ago, that when you're a bigger player, uh, it takes a while to, to f- fill into your body. And it also takes a while to work on some of those other skills that you probably haven't had, didn't need to use up until this point because you got by on your athleticism and physicality. But based on what you saw from Slavkovsky yesterday, uh, it's safe to say the audition didn't go as planned or as he would like it. Yeah, like, I'm not willing to go there at this stage of camp, mostly because that was his first game in almost nine months, um, but also because we're going to see what other permutations of lines Marty St. Louis has in his mind. Is he the Means best fit? Is he the best fit? Yeah. Permutations. You always pull out a Scrabble you can look it up. Permutations. Um, that would be a that would be a good point in Scrabble. Would that sure. be uh would that be a P E R M U T A T I O N S? I don't know. I wasn't following you as you say spelled it out. And P E R Yeah. Mu M U Tations T A T I O N S. Would that be that? Permutations or I would think so. I think so, yeah. Your processor's working better than mine right now. I might play you on Scrabble after all. All right. Um, yeah, like I'm not sure he fits with Newhook and Anderson, but that doesn't mean he doesn't fit on the Montreal Canadiens to start the season. So, so who does he fit with, Eric? Who does he fit with? I don't know. 
and and I, I won't know until I see it. To be honest with you, there's. I'd like to see him. We didn't really see it last year, and I think it was coming in the second half had he not been hurt. I'd like to see him take some shifts with Caulfield and Suzuki and see what he can do in that situation. What I liked about last night's game, putting the slow start for Slavkovsky aside, where he was a little behind in terms of where he needed to arrive. Like there was an early shift in the game where Anderson got a great scoring chance and Slavkovsky arrives at the net for a rebound. But instead of kind of parking himself there, he he's skating by and misses his chance at, at the rebound. It's just little things, right? Like that, that take repetition and I'll chalk some of that up to Russ, but other parts of it up to the fact that he missed some crucial development time last year with the Canadians and it's going to take him some time to catch up too. That said, I loved that he had the puck much more often on his stick in last night's game. And it wasn't just because Anderson and Newhook were playing well. He was doing some things that enabled himself. He was putting himself in positions to get the puck on his stick. If you watch a lot of his games last year when he was healthy, didn't have the puck on his stick very often. Last night, he had it on his stick a lot. And he even did some really good things with it when he had it on his stick. Not all good things. Some of the things he did with it weren't at all the good things, but some of the things he did do were, were impressive. And I'd like to see him build on that and see where it takes him. I don't know where he's going to be this season, Tony. I don't know who he fits with best. I do know that decision isn't made after one week of camp though. You're right about that. And this is what I also know. I also know that the regular season for the Montreal Canadians is going to start about in about 15 days on the 11th of October, the Montreal Canadians are going to be playing the Toronto Maple Leafs 15 days away. One burning question still remains unanswered as far as the Montreal Canadiens are concerned. And that is, who is going to play right wing on a line with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield playing his off wing? So 15 days away from opening night for the Canadiens, still that burning question remains unanswered. Based on what you saw thus far at camp or what you didn't see in working a whole process of elimination, you going to give me a guess? It's really hard to because I have only have two firm conclusions that I'm drawing so far through a week of camp, which obviously could change. One is that Caulfield and Suzuki are definitely going to play together. But the other one that seems clear now is that Newhook and Anderson are going to play together. And that, to me, makes the rest of the picture hard to solve because... So hold on a second. Hold on a second. Suzuki and Caulfield are going to play together. Yes. Newhook and Anderson are going to play together. Okay, perfect. And I'll give you another conclusion. Newhook's in the middle. I'll give you one more. Doc is in the middle. So, Sean you Monahan. Got, you got Doc with Monahan. You have Suzuki with Caulfield, and you. Oh, have, so you you have you have Monahan and Doc as a duel. It appears that way right now, but the only firm conclusion I would draw is that Doc is in the middle. Okay, so hold on a second here. So, Doc and Monaghan are a duo. Maybe. Uh, uh, this is what you're thinking let's, let's, right now. Let's say this... con- concretely, Tony, Caulfield and Suzuki are playing together. Newhook is in the middle and playing with Anderson. And Doc is playing in the middle. Perfect. So now, with... so now, these are the possibilities to play right wing on the first line. And in no particular order, I'm just giving the possibilities now, right? Yuri uh, Slavkowski. Mm-hmm. Raphael R.V. Pinard. Yep. Brendan Gallagher. Yep. 
Tanner Pearson. Yep. Yessi Alonen. Mm, no. Emil Heineman. Not going to give you Yessi Alonen, but continue. Yeah. Emil Heineman. Yeah. Joshua Roy. Like, am I am I forgetting or, anybody or? Yoel Armia. I know, but and don't Mosey discount Tumo. it. It's possible. And Mosey, and Mosey the the I, thing is, it, it pains me to see Armia play seven or eight minutes a game. If I'm going to see him playing on the number one line, I, I know. I'm going to have there a, have been times where he's been very good with those two guys. The thing is, you're not going to. You know, see you know how many people go to work 200 days a year, and there's been times where they've been very good 20 times. I'm not lobbying for him. I'm not lobbying for him. I'm just telling you not to discount it as a possibility because the things that we've seen in the past are not the things that we're going to see in the next two weeks. We already know how Doc looks with Suzuki and Caulfield. I'm not expecting that they need to try it out in training. Well, I'm not so sure. I'm, I'm I'm not so sure. I'm enamored with any of the alternatives here. If all those guys that you talked about, I know, uh, are going to end up being duos. So I if, know. If uh, Monaghan and Doc are a duo and Suzuki and Caulfield are a duo and Newhook and Slavkowski are a duo. No, Newhook uh, and Anderson, yeah. Uh, Newhook and Anderson, pardon me, are a duo. I I'm not so sure that I'm enamored with any of the alternatives here. Okay, and that's You know, Graham McCag uh, basically worked out an exercise like this uh, about a week and a half ago, and he said that it's not impossible to think that Brendan Gallagher can be on that line. And when I read that, I said, like, it can't be because Gallagher's not the player that he used to be three years ago. We got to move forward here, not go backward. But now I don't think I don't think it's highly likely, to be honest with you. But what it does tell us is that the player who ideally fits on that line, it's it's is either not necessarily ready to be there in Slavkovsky, and we'll see how he looks if he gets a shot with those two guys, or he isn't on this team yet. And then, and 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 we're all talking about who's going to play with Suzuki and Caulfield. I'm you know what? I, I I think Heinemann's a great wild card. I'm going to tell you why. Because as great as Suzuki and Caulfield are, it makes them extremely predictable. Now, there's a lot of duos in sports that are extremely predictable, and they still produce because they're the best of the best. But everyone knows that Suzuki is a very unselfish player, and everyone knows that Cole Caulfield loves to score goals. So the play is going to be, that Suzuki is going to look for Caulfield all over the ice. You put on the other wing, another guy who can shoot the puck and score goals. And now all of a sudden you don't know where Suzuki's looking. Heineman is <clears throat> until proven otherwise for non NHLers on the Canadians at camp. He's their best pure goal scorer. Seven goals in 11 games last year at the American hockey league level. Says to me yeah. that yeah. of all their non NHLers, He's the best finisher. Sure, but that's also a really small sample. And also, I don't know that necessarily you need to have the best pure goal scorer playing with those two guys. What you need is someone to create space for them and make them harder to play against and be able to take care of their own. Um, I look at predictability and know that Backstrom and Ovechkin, you know, when they were playing together back in the day, we're going to do, or if you want to take Kuznetsov and, and Ovechkin, and then it ends up being Tom Wilson on the other side who can score goals but brings the other elements that puts him in a position to score goals. Not too many but, Tom Wilsons in this league. Yeah, and I don't think the Canadians really have that guy unless it's Josh Anderson who we look it looks like he's going to play with Alex Newhook. So we know what Anderson can bring with those two guys. We know what Armia could bring. Raphael Harvey-Pinard to me is definitely an option for that line. 
the big question that I have as everybody's focused on that top line is who's playing with Doc? Because if you want the Canadians to take another step in their progression, it's not only to ensure that Doc could be as good as he was last year, but that he can be even better than he was last year, especially in the middle of the ice. And he's going to need somebody next to him because Suzuki has Caulfield that can score goals. So we've seen Harvey Pinard and Gallagher together on a line throughout camp. I don't know if we're going to see that when the season starts. Yeah, but, but, I think but Harvey Eric- Pinard is the guy who, who either ends up next to Doc or he ends up next to Suzuki and Caulfield. And he's a guy who can score goals. Yeah, but Eric, even though he probably isn't ready for top six status yet, if you don't have Slavkowski on the second line, you can always put him on the third line. I get it. I don't know. I just, I don't want to, all I'm saying is I don't want to see Slavkowski on a fourth line. Well, I don't don't think you're going to. I think you're going to see Slavkowski on one of the, either the second or the third line. And um, I think if you look at what will be a second line and what will be a third line in Montreal, no matter what the combinations are, the ice time is going to be pretty evenly distributed at five on five. Some of those guys are going to end up with more ice because of special team roles that they serve. But deployed five on five as units, you're going to see pretty similar ice time between the second and third line. And and, and maybe Marty St. Louis thinking the same thing. And that's why he had Alex Newhook play on a line with Josh Anderson and Uri Slavkovsky last night because that's the line that he has penciled in to be the Canadiens' third line when they open up Could be. their season playing the Toronto Maple Leafs. Eric, uh, so many questions still remain to be answered, which obviously makes preseason a lot of fun and makes the regular season even more fun. I thank you for doing this, and I'll talk to you soon, my man. You take care. Thank you, Tony. The last thing I wanted to say, by the way, since we were on this whole subject, yeah. Yeah. what's clear is that as much as players like to have regular line mates and be on one line, Marty St. Louis is going to exercise a lot of different options throughout the top three lines of this lineup and probably the fourth too. You're going to see a bunch of different things. And uh, anyways, that's it. Enjoy the pool. Enjoy the ocean. Enjoy the sunshine. And let me know how the night out with Messi goes, okay? Uh, I'll try my best. Thank you so much, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. There you have it. Marinaro live from the Ocean Sky Hotel and Resort in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. That was Eric Engels of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. I want to thank you all for watching tonight. If you like to comment, sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K, like it, share it with your friends. And if you're going to go on Apple, leave us a five-star review. It's our way of feeling the love. For Agnello, Sammy, and Juliana, I'm after control. They're Cavallaro. I'm feeling pretty happy in Florida. Felicita, Sentinelaria, Chaja. Have a good night, everyone. Ciao for now. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. 